and welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church right here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your Drive Time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. It's really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. Look, folks, we'd love uh, to have you join us. Now, look, if you'd like to share a positive thought, if you'd like to share a comment, uh, if you'd like to uh, um, discuss one of the uh, issues, uh, if you'd just simply like to say hello to us, uh, then, look, you can do that by sending in a text. Now, our text number again is 04888. 80811 04888811 Program it into your phone uh, Put it under drive time And then uh, you can send in a text uh, Anytime uh, That you uh, that you feel uh, Feel an urge Now of course today our co-host is Eric Hall Now uh, Eric uh, Is a uh, is a printer uh, By trade He's worked as a literature evangelist uh, uh, Sharing Christian literature uh, Most of his life And uh, Currently, Erica ministers to the uh, Adelaide uh, Indigenous Seventh-day Adventist Church, and it is fantastic uh, to have him with us once again. Welcome to you, Eric. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Gary. Great to be here, and hello to the listeners. It's oh, look, uh, Eric, in second last day of winter, the countdown is on. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, I'm just so looking forward. That, that day we had on Sunday, that beautiful sunny day, I headed down to... Uh, Victor Harbour, um, there was a fair on there, um, a big fair. They actually had two fairs on, actually. And um, I went and we asked one of our neighbours to come with us, and so we took them down there. And uh, we had a lovely time wandering around. I love looking at uh, produce and stuff. And uh, yeah. we, there was ADRA was there, which is the Adventist uh, Development and Relief Agency. Yeah. They had a store and they had some beautiful uh, food there for sale and some Christian books, and it was such a beautiful day. Yeah. Bring it on, Daylight Saving oh, Bring yeah. it all. Oh, yeah. Look, Victor Harbour is the place to actually. I, I love on a half decent day heading down that uh, that part of the uh, part of the world. It gets a bit chilly down there uh, when the uh, uh, when the weather is uh, yeah. uh, you know not not kind to you. <laughs> uh, but uh, certainly uh, uh, in summer, I love that, uh, and I love their markets down there. I love going every every Sunday morning. I go to some markets near us, and uh, it, it's really really beautiful. Tell me, have you planted your garden yet? Yes, I've. Um, I actually got an early. Um, um, some of the listeners might not like it, but I love broad beans. Um, but you got to You're have a sad man. <laughs> You're a sad man. But you got to have them fresh. You know, fresh from the garden. It's it, the it's the ones that have been in the shops for a long time that don't taste very nice. And yeah, my plants are really high, and I've also got another little crop coming up. But we've only got a small place, so we have quite a few little fruit trees around. We've got miniature ones there, and we get it's amazing what you can get in a small plot. Uh, we've got a lemon tree and a mandarin tree, a tangelo tree. We've got limes. Um, uh, an apple tree, and uh, we've actually got a nectarine, a couple of little miniature ones at the moment. Oh, growing. lovely. And lovely. all the flowers are coming out, you know, and uh, we have the geranium, a lot of geraniums because they can stand the heat. I find mm. they're the ones in a dry spot, and we've got a, a fairly dry area, but they're all coming out and bloom, and it looks lovely at yeah. the moment. Yeah, well, I've got yeah. to admit, the present time my garden, all it's uh, producing is weeds. It's a sad, oh, it's a sad state of affairs Barry. at the present time. <laughs> I have to get out there and do something, do something about it. Yeah. 
It's also really good to have with us uh, this afternoon, uh, Lindy Sparing. Now, Lindy is the prayer ministries leader of the uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Australia. Now, welcome to you, Lindy. Hello, Pastor Gary. Lovely to be here. It is really fantastic to have you back in the studio. How long has it been since you've been in the studio? It's been a few months since you got me in for those two weeks focus on the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and they were really greatly, greatly appreciated. We need to make you a regular in here. We need more ladies in our prayer ministries time, uh, but particularly on our drive time uh, segment. So I'm looking forward to when that uh, day does actually uh, does actually come. But Lindy, look, the reason I've got you in here this afternoon is because uh, I came across an article just a, a day or so ago, and uh, it, it jumped out at me. It came from Premier Christian News, which is uh, one of the major Christian news sites in the United Kingdom. The title was Church of England Survey Finds Younger People Are Far More Likely to Pray Than older generations and this is what it said the Church of England has found that younger people are far more likely to pray than older generations because of the rising interest in meditation spirituality and mindfulness which is increasing numbers to connect with faith a third of 18 to 34 year olds have prayed in the last month compared to just 25% of people aged 55 years and over Archbishop of York, the Most Reverend, uh, christened Stephen Cottrell, told the Sunday Telegraph uh, to Christians, prayer is the bedrock of our faith and deepens our relationship and understanding with God. The results of the survey on prayer show us that many people still long for that connection with something and someone beyond themselves. As a church, he said, we need to be a community of men and women who follow Jesus and offer spaces where the many people growing up in our world today who do not yet know Christ can learn and receive from him and follow in his way, growing ever closer to God through daily prayer and reading the scriptures. If younger people want to pray, then let our churches be places where prayer is taught and experienced. Lindy, as I read that particular article, on first glance, I was actually highly encouraged that you know there was certainly that percentage of young people who were prepared, who wanted to come to God in prayer. But... As I read that, I suppose, a little bit more closely, I'm really interested in that that initial paragraph. And it started to get some, I suppose, some warning uh, bells uh, started to, to, to ring in my mind. And I think of this uh, part, of the, the first paragraph, actually. The Church of England has found that younger people are more likely to pray than older generations because the, of the rising interest in meditation, spirituality and mindfulness, which is increasing numbers to connect with God. Now, you know, this is prayer, but it doesn't appear to be traditional type of prayer. Now, now, Lindy, you're the prayer ministry's leader of the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Do you have any, you know, what are your feelings on uh, on that particular paragraph? I think like you, Pastor Gary, I had some reservations because I I wanted to sort of understand what sort of meditation we're talking about. But a lot of the current thinking of meditation, mindfulness and spirituality is actually really evolved in New Age thinking and the occult because mm-hmm. it's about self. 
Whereas we are required, or we are asked and commanded even, that we are to worship God, to mm. pray to God, God the creator of the universe, the God that has helped the Bible to be written, the God that created us and loves us. And so I think there's a big difference here. We hear our leaders say somebody's something bad's happened like Judith Durham died, Olivia Newton-John our thoughts and prayers are with the family mm. what does that really mean yeah. are they yeah. praying to the God of the heaven and asking him to be a blessing to those who are suffering Yeah, I don't yeah. know yeah, no, that's really interesting that you say that because I'm so conscious that Christ at one point when he was talking to his disciples spoke about, you know, was talking about even the devils. He said, even the devils believe and tremble, you know. Uh, right. In other words, it's good to actually, uh, there seems to be a desire by humanity to acknowledge a power outside of themselves. Well, that's right. But often in them trying to achieve that, Pastor Gary, they're actually inward focused and inward looking and emptying their mind, if you like, or trying to be aware of what they're thinking, what they're doing. Is that wrong in and of itself? No, probably not. But when we are told, like in the Bible, it says in Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep him, who is that him, us, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts you, which is us. We trust in God. We keep our minds on him and he will keep us in peace. Yes, the world is full of so many troubles, more so than ever before. But God has the answers to those troubles, Mm. not inward looking and meditating or praying to false gods, if you like. Yeah, and I think this is actually a really key uh, point because this is certainly something that as I, as I read this article, I thought, hey, I, I rejoice, I'm thankful that uh, young people are actually wanting to pray if in fact that prayer uh, is uh, to the to the God of heaven Absolutely. and is not some new age or even occultish uh, type source. I think a lot of young people today are looking for something to bring calm to their spirit. Yeah. We've just travelled back from Victoria. There's a lot of very distressed people there. A lot of young people are really suffering. I spoke to different people in business and they said young people are really suffering. And yet in the Bible it says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing mm. but in every by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God and so here is the answer to have this intimate relationship with a loving father with God and we can pray to him so this really requires an act of the mind, isn't it? You know, I mean, that's really how the Holy Spirit does actually uh, impact the lives of individual. He actually touches the mind of the individual and uh, causes the mind to actually respond to, to God. Uh, if, in fact, we follow a new age practice where the mind actually goes blank, uh, at that point, well... Where does it go to? Uh, you know, who actually has control of the mind at that particular point? And to me, as I uh, as I read this article, I just I thought, hey, you know, certainly there are significant overtones of the new age type uh, type concepts there. There is. There was one comment though that if younger people want to pray, let our churches be places where prayer is taught and experienced. Mm. And and I agree with that. I think people, young people should be able to come to church, learn more about 
prayer, like the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray and grow closer to the Lord and experience prayer, both personally in groups with prayer partners. Yeah. So yeah. they grow in that. It's something we can learn and grow in. I, I really like that idea that you can actually learn. I mean, I was interested at one point, the disciples came to Christ and they'd actually heard him praying and their question to him was, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Prayer is something that is actually learnt. Absolutely. And I, I, I love that uh, that particular thought that you do actually present. Now look, Lindy, while you're here, can I just move from that uh, particular issue because there's something else that's actually coming up and that of course is uh, uh, very soon here, the uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church next week is going to be celebrating what we call a week of prayer. Yes. Uh, now, look, can you just explain to us what is a week of prayer? That's a good question. So week of prayer is a time where the Seventh-day Adventist Church, not only here in South Australia or Australia, but indeed across the world, has a focus on prayer. And it has some special readings that we can all read. There's some for the children as well. And there's a reading for each day. It starts on, this time it starts on the first Saturday or Sabbath of September to the second Saturday or Sabbath of September. And it uh, has these different readings every day. And I think each church interprets it differently how they want to yeah, do it, Pastor yeah, yeah, Gary. Yeah. I know you're doing a Zoom morning thing through Brighton Church for yeah, half an hour, yeah. and then you're doing each evening an hour program. Some churches will have readings in the church every night. Some will meet via Zoom. Some might just meet on the weekends or talk with others on the phone. But each church has that mm-hmm. time or um, opportunity, if you like, to really focus on the power of prayer and draw together in prayer. Okay. But look, tell us, have you ever, have you noticed a difference when people gather together and pray corporately? Absolutely. I cannot express it enough that many times when I see a group come together, their hearts are changed towards each other mm-hmm. and the whole community is blessed by this prayer. Mm-hmm. And in fact, God seems to even step in and answer prayers that aren't even prayed or even thought of yet yeah. because you are inviting his spirit into your lives, into the community, into every situation and you see a great transformation. And when you pray in a group, this love for each other grows. And that's what happened with the disciples. And then, of course, we know what happened. The Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost. And, of course, that's exactly what did happen. The disciples prayed together for a period of time before the day of Pentecost was fully come. And when the day of Pentecost had come, at that point, God pours out his Holy Spirit and suddenly the the power of witness just breaks out uh, and uh, Peter stands up and preaches his momentous uh, sermon and uh, something happens to the entire Christian church that, uh, as, you know, Paul later, later says, you know, the turned the whole world upside down in that generation. Absolutely. And you look at the before and after Peter, the rambunctious, outspoken, who denied Christ Peter, who then spoke with such power and authority. So many were converted. And, of course, he he gladly went to his martyrdom death that he had. So God's amazing. God, he certainly is. And, folks, look, uh, um, uh, we're actually going to be meeting. But, look, you've probably heard uh, this uh, this particular uh, ad on uh, on Faith FM. Uh, it, uh, it shares about what we're doing. Hello, this is Pastor Gary. You might be familiar with me from Drive Time. I have a fantastic invitation for you. Every year, the Seventh-day Adventist churches all over Australia jointly participate in what's called a week of prayer. During this week, churches share at different times in focused prayer. 
At these times, we pray for spiritual revival. We pray for reformation in churches. We pray for our community and we pray for a multitude of personal needs. Sometimes this occurs by Zoom in the early hours of the morning. Other times, local churches host physical gatherings each evening. Often, it occurs at the local Seventh-day Adventist church. I'd love to encourage you to check out what's happening at your local Adventist church. Or, if you'd like to join with me by Zoom, 7am Adelaide time, each morning, Saturday, September 10, through to Saturday, September 17, all you need to do is to email me at Network at gmail.com and I'll forward you the Zoom link. If you'd like us to simply pray for your needs, then please send us that request to Network at gmail.com and we'll add your concern to our prayer list. We believe that we serve a God who answers prayer. May God richly bless you. And that was uh, Lindy uh, Sperring that was uh, sharing uh, sharing with us on that subject of prayer. It's so important. And, folks, look, we'd love to be able to invite you. If you'd like to be part of our, our week of prayer, you don't have to join us every single day. Uh, if you'd like to uh, come online to the uh, uh, to, to our Zoom uh, prayer meetings, uh, that's 7 a.m. Uh, Adelaide time every every morning, uh, Saturday next, uh, uh, this coming Saturday through to the uh, following Saturday, we'd love to have you. Uh, come and uh, and join join with us uh, as a church. We're going to be meeting uh, every uh, every evening uh, at our Brighton Church from Monday uh, through to Friday. If you happen to be local, love to have you come and join us uh, as well. Uh, right now, folks, let's come to some music. I uh, love uh, this particular rendition. This is the Petersons. I know who holds tomorrow. There is hope. There is safety. There can be peace uh, in your tomorrow. Please enjoy the Petersons. I know who holds tomorrow. I don't know about tomorrow. Skies made to 
was the Petersons. I know who holds tomorrow. Do you know when you have a friend holding and controlling tomorrow, you've got nothing to fear about. Love, uh, love that uh, that particular song and the words and the thoughts that are expressed. The Petersons. I know who holds tomorrow. Now, folks, we do have a, our giveaway book for you today, and this is a real beauty. Now, this one's written by Clifford Goldstone. I love reading Clifford Goldstone's uh, material. He is a real a thinker, and yet it's expressed in such a simple, uh, pragmatic manner uh, that uh, uh, anybody can easily relate to the words that he he writes. Now, this uh, book today is uh, A Life Without Limits, Powerful Truths for Your Journey to Hope and Meaning. How would you live differently if you knew that there was more to life than what you were seeing, something wonderful, something awaiting you on the road of life? You're not on the journey of life by chance, but for a special for a special purpose. If you knew these things were true, uh, would you live safe and defeated or would you set out on a larger life, a life without limits? In this this book, this is an absolutely enlightening book. Clifford Goldstone uh, takes us and looks at some of life's biggest questions and offers some answers that I believe will really change how you view uh, the life that you may be living. Uh, it's fascinating absolutely fascinating mixture of faith and logic he seeks out the truth on matters like uh, the meaning of life where did we come from the laws that protect us from pain and why we can believe in a promising future this book is a real beauty now uh, this uh, this book again uh, is entitled life without limits and uh, powerful uh, truths for the uh, journey uh, that each of us is uh, is on now look if you would like your own copy of Faith Without Limits, uh, all you need to do is to text us uh, here at our studio text number. Now, our studio text number is uh, 04888- 80811 04888811 and the code that you just need to type in into your text message is SA70 don't say anything else just SA70 uh, no gap between the SA and the 70 just four letters in a row SA70 and uh, uh, that'll go directly to our robot and uh, our robot he'll uh, uh, he'll pick up uh, uh, that uh, that code and he'll uh, ask a bit of information uh, from you so that we can get this book to you in the fastest uh, way that we possibly uh, can. Now, the book is Life Without Limits and uh, Clifford Goldstein. The code is SA70 and uh, that drive time number again is 04888. 80811. It's a real beauty. I believe you'll really appreciate it. Uh, and it's fantastic to see, uh, uh, the number of people who are coming in already requesting that, uh, that book. Uh, um, yeah, love to, love to uh, give away a, a few more. Uh, now look, you are listening to, uh, Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with, uh, Pastor Gary. And today our co-host is, uh, Eric Hoare. And car- currently Eric's pastoring to the, uh, Adelaide Indigenous, uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church, and this week uh, we're following the theme God and a very human church. Now, uh, this is one we're dealing with questions that people ask about the church. Today, the question we're looking at is how do I deal with immorality in the church? Now, look, uh, what we're actually doing is going through the uh, the book of First Corinthians. Now, not a lot of people actually realise that uh, in Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, his first letter to the to the Corinthians, what he was actually doing is dealing with 
with uh, a church that had become a problem church. Now, I don't know if you can think in your times past of a church that's become a problem church, but this particular church had a number of issues that were they were starting to, to struggle with. They were struggling with divisions. The church was a divided. It was a clicky uh, church. Uh, there was, as we're going to discover today, there was sexual immorality in the church. There were uh, church members that were taking each other to law. Uh, there were people who were misusing their spiritual gifts. And as I, as I look at this church, I say, wow, you know, sometimes we think that a problem church, problem churches only exist in the contemporary age. Paul is actually writing a letter to a problem church. It's the church at Corinth. And this week we're dealing, there are actually five significant problems in, uh, in that church. This week we're looking at one each, uh, each day. Yesterday, uh, really appreciated, uh, Will, uh, all that, uh, they had to share, uh, on the, uh, on the subject of, uh, of divisions and cliques, uh, in the church. Today, we want to look at this issue of uh, sexuality and uh, particularly that question, how do I deal with immorality in the church? Because, of course, uh, that was exactly the issue that the Apostle Paul was being forced to deal with. Now, um, we actually pick it up, and I'll, I'll read you the passage from the Scriptures because I think nothing expresses the problem better than Paul himself and allowing him to uh, to speak. First uh, Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 1 to 12 is what, uh, is what I'm reading. And this is what Paul does uh, does right. He says it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality amongst you and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put him out of your fellowship, the man who has been doing this? For my part, Even though I'm not physically present, I'm with you in spirit, as one who is present with you in the way. I've already passed judgment in the name of the Lord Jesus on the one who's been doing this. So when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of the Lord is present, hand this man over to Satan. Now this is, Eric, as I, as I read this passage, this is, this is, this is almost, we would call it almost brutal, but you know, he is speaking in very direct language. So that, uh, I hand this man over to the, uh, to Satan for the destruction of his flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. In other words, perhaps a change might take place. Uh, your bo- your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be new unleavened batch as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival not with old bread leveled with malice and wickedness, but with unleavened, with pure bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy, the swindlers and the idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or a sister but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. 
What business is it of mine to judge those outside of the church? Are you not to judge those who are inside the church? Now, when I read this particular passage, uh, uh, Eric, I'm just really conscious that, I mean, Paul says some things that certainly in our uh, contemporary secular uh, church, because unfortunately that is what we're often facing. Um, these these words would be considered incredibly radical. Now, take us through it. What is Paul actually saying? I mean, I'm not so much interested in. Okay, there's a there's a significant sin here, but you know, Paul's talking about how to deal with it. You know, do we take it literally? Mm. Yeah, it's a very interesting question, Pastor Gary. And we live in the 21st century churches and. Uh, when we read this, it's, as you say, it's pretty brutal. It's full on and it's, uh, it's right to the point and will cause a lot of discussion with uh, the listeners and their thoughts, uh, which we'd like to hear from tonight. Uh, but it's interesting that uh, Paul gets a report. Somebody's visited the Corinthian church and uh, sent Paul a report about what's actually going on there. Don't you, don't you wish you, uh, <laughs> you, you were that person when he gets named? Goodness <laughs> That's me. That's right. And uh, what is amazing is that Paul uh, actually, she says it is actually reported. I don't think he can believe that this is actually uh, going on uh, within the church, uh, that a man is sleeping with his father's wife. And in some um, commentaries, it says stepmother, because that's who it, it actually is meaning yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, and he actually mentions that even the pagans don't tolerate that sort of action. You know, there's a little of that going on, but it's actually happening within the Christian church, and, it, and it's really disturbing him. So he puts this letter together uh, to talk about this. And the Greek word for sexual uh, immorality is actually the word pornia, which we get the word porn from, which is interesting. Mm. Uh, and it covers all forbidden sexual activity. Uh, and it's a very serious crime. Uh, it was actually punishable uh, by law, even within the Greek and Roman culture, as mm-hmm. well as the Jewish culture through the law of Moses. But the Corinthian church largely was mainly um, uh, made up of Gentiles, mm. uh, most of it, with uh, some Jews in there as well. Mm. So it's a mixture of churches. So it's really become, a, you know, in many ways we might term it a very secular uh, church. It's, it's mm. almost allowed license because the things which Paul is talking about uh, – that this church is involved in, it's not just one issue, it's many issues that they are struggling with. Yes, and it's troubling him. Uh, And in verse uh, 2 it says, And so you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? And so um, obviously it was very deeply sinful for Christians, but despite this, the Corinthian Christians apparently tolerated and allowed the man to continue to meet with them. Um, with this really big sin going on amongst them, Paul declares that they should be sorrowful instead of prideful. Their pride just doesn't make sense given the the circumstances. And some Bible teachers suggest that the Corinthians were proud because of their wrong belief that freedom in Christ allows Christians to participate in any kind of formally sinful practice without guilt or conscience that you can do whatever you like. Ah, Now let's let's just pick up on that one because, you know, uh, Eric, tell me, uh, do you think that that is an issue, you know, for the contemporary church today? Because I know that I'm really conscious that I've, you know, certainly ministered 
ministered to uh, certainly people within uh, churches who have certainly come to the, uh, you know, they, they certainly are, are very strong that for by grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Therefore, grace is something that actually uh, provides almost a license to be able to do pretty much uh, whatever I want to be able to do. Now, how would you respond to that? Well, I heard that before too and had it uh, mentioned to me many times. I think the freedom that Christ is talking about when he says he gives us freedom is not a license to sin and carry on sinning. It's actually um, um, a freedom from doing that sin, from changing the inner self to the older self. I mean, we're all sinners here, and we're talking about something which we go into about judging one another within the church. But here is a, this is a, a, a sin that is causing um, great division in the church, mm. uh, and it's something that they're actually boasting about. They must be saying, look at us growing. Look, we've got all this growth, and yet this is happening amongst them. And today we see um, a lot of churches who, who look at the figures, the numbers coming, and um, think that this is the blessings of the Lord, but here it's talking about here something that they're puffed up with pride. They think they're doing the right thing, and uh, and it's actually uh, Paul is, is remonstrating that he very quickly um, um, just it brings back their thinking. Paul urges them to do two things in response to the sin. First, he says that they should mourn; they should be sad with what is going on, uh, and he'll make clear that this man is harming himself and others. Later in the letter, he will teach that when one member of the church suffers, we all suffer together. If you remember 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. And so everybody in the Christian church should be sad about this practice of seeing this going on. And secondly, Paul tells them to remove the man from among them. This, they must not be allow him to continue to meet with them. And he explains that in the following verses for his own good. This is actually for his own good. And but, but, but Eric, church. look, just let me just pick in there before you yeah. actually, because I really appreciate where you're actually going here. Yeah. But um, I, before we go there, look, some would say that uh, Paul's being incredibly judgmental. Uh, in in what he's actually saying now, of course, in the uh, in the world in which we're living today, in the you know even in the church that we um, that that so often uh, we we inhabit today, churches generally don't like being judgmental, and yet mm. Paul appears to be judgmental here. Now, yes. how would you respond to that? Well, this is a, a very hot potato, and will cause. Um you know, divides on either side of this. Paul is explaining here and mentioning this to that that this must be removed. That if you have one doing this practice in the church, what what standard, what what basis, what moral ground have you got? Um, the Bible teaches us that this was wrong. So is this wrong in man's eyes or in God's eyes? This is what we've got to look at. If our heart is changing, we're following Christ as our master. His words are the things that help us with the decisions we make. It really comes back down, doesn't it, to, you know, does is culture what is expected to guide the Christian or is it uh, the revealed word of God and scripture itself? Because to me, I'm just so conscious that uh, there are uh, certainly uh, the, the temptation in the, certainly in the church today is to be guided by culture 
rather than the revealed word of God. You know, t- to me, one of the things that I really, really appreciate is uh, um, is the fact that Paul here is actually being discerning. Now, I know there's a fine line between being discerning and being judgmental, but what what he's trying to do, he uses this example here of the leaven. You know, if you actually put, I I used to used to be a, a baker, uh, numerous uh, many years ago, and uh, I can well remember making loaves of loaves of bread. And you know, it was only a small amount of yeast that you actually had to put in to to make hundreds of loaves of uh, of bread, because you could be guaranteed that it would actually spread through the entire bunch. And what Paul's actually talking about here is, hey, there is something about uh, being able uh, to uh, to kill the the leaven and Paul is saying hey, it's really important that the church does act on uh, these types of issues now of course in the day and age we're living today it's it's something that it's not it's 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 frowned on Mm. Yes, and you wouldn't see much of what Paul's talking about happening today. I mean, this is a very tricky subject when something like this comes up within a church situation in a family where something like this has happened and you've got two parties and there's hurt on either side. Um, And you can get somebody that will come in from outside who isn't affected by uh, um, the feelings of uh, either, either party who can come in and see it through different eyes. And Paul is talking about this from a distance, but he's heard this is happening. So he's offering them advice on how to handle this. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's really important because I've seen this happen in churches, yeah. and I've seen it uh, dealt with the wrong way, and people have left the church. I've yeah. seen it dealt in the right way, in a loving way, which is mentioned a bit further on. Paul's gives some really good advice on how to actually do this. But you've got to understand that this person is a Christian person. This isn't somebody he's talking about that's outside in the world yeah, yeah, doing yeah. this. They're Dealing with sexual sin that's occurring inside the church. Now, of course, today and age, you know, uh, today we certainly get, you know, the media certainly is happy to to jump onto uh, Christian churches and say, hey, look, you know, here is a here are sexual issues that are uh, unaddressed with inside the church. And uh, Paul here is actually jumping on it first, and he says, hey, guys, um, you people at Corinth, you need to be dealing with these issues. You can't just move this person on to another church. You need to be acting uh, on on this particular issue. But look, mm-hmm. Eric, let's come to some. Uh, some music and then I'll get you to come back you know the the advice that Paul gives and we'll uh, we'll look at that uh, the very moment we we come back this is Alan Jackson uh, love uh, lifted me uh, love uh, love this particular song please please enjoy Alan Jackson love lifted me I'm sinking deep in sin Far from the peaceful shore Buried deeply stained within Sinking to rise no more But the master of the sea Heard my despair and cry From the waters lifted me Now safe am I Love lifted me Love lifted me Nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me 
heart to him I give Ever to him I'll cling In his blessed presence live Ever his praises sing Love so mighty and so true Marries my soul's best songs Faithful loving service to To him belongs Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me Love lifted me Love lifted me When nothing else could help Love lifted me High love, uh, uh, some some country. Uh, it's one of those uh, uh, those music genres that I do find myself going back to time and time again. Uh, Alan Jackson, love uh, lifted uh, lifted me. Now, folks, don't forget we have that giveaway book uh, once again. Also, if you've got any thoughts or comments on the things we're talking about today, you can use our uh, our drive time text number, which is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. Or if you'd like to request our uh, giveaway book and so far we've had people from New South Wales, Queensland uh, and uh, right here in uh, in South Oz have uh, uh, requested our uh, our giveaway book today so that is uh, that's really fantastic really appreciate uh, uh, your uh, your doing that now our giveaway book today is uh, is entitled Life Without Limits this is by Clifford Goldstein he's a brilliant thinker he is uh, actually a, a, a Jew by by heritage and uh, writes uh, in an absolutely engaging way. Uh, powerful truths for your journey to hope and meaning. Uh, some answer some of the biggest questions you can possibly imagine. Uh, love uh, this uh, this particular book. Now look if you'd like Life Without Limits, happy to send it to you, totally free of charge. All you need to do is to uh, text us, send us a text here at that drive time text number again, 0488 Let's start that again. O four triple eight eight oh eight eleven, and uh, just the code SA seventy, no gaps, just SA seven zero, and uh, send that uh, to our text number, and uh, our robot will uh, pick up that uh, uh, that text number. He'll ask you a few questions, get a few details off you, so that we can get it to you, get the book to you in the fastest uh, possible possible way. It's a real beauty. This is a book that uh, you really need. Uh, to be able to pick up it's it, it, it's it's quality reading now you are listening to faith fm drive time big q a with the pastor gary and today our co-host is eric horan eric ministers to the adelaide aboriginal seventh-day adventist church uh now this week we are following the theme 
God, the Bible, and a very human church. And we're looking at the church of Corinth that uh, Paul wrote to, uh, rebuking them on a number of counts uh, because of uh, their their behavior. And today we're looking at that question, how do I deal with immorality in the in the church? And uh, Eric, so far you've been sharing with us some, uh, I mean, Paul's a straight-talking pastor. Mm, uh, yes. Do you think he'd survive in today's world? Oh, it'd be very difficult, I think, today. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> but but what, what advice does he actually give? Well, it's interesting when we can't cover that all tonight with the time we've got left, Pastor Gary, with all the verses. But uh, first, first Corinthians five five uh, is an interesting one. It says, "Hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord." And uh, it's Paul who is the one who has commanded this action, but it is actually the church in Corinthian that must carry it out. And in doing so, they actually take responsibility as a group for confronting the sin that is actually amongst them. Um, this openly uh, sinful person is to be given over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. The purpose is not for revenge or even punishment. Rather, it is so that his spirit might be saved at the Lord's Lord's judgment. And many Bible teachers have debated this and most agree that in this practice it means nothing more than excommunication, to reject them from meeting with other believers and from identifying with them. And it seems likely that by removing the man from the church, they will also be removing him that from him the protection that comes from being included in the body of Christ. They'll be thrusting this man back out into the world, exposing him into the to the, like the darkness, if you like, of the world. And the hope is that this action will result in the eternal salvation of his spirit. And it's unclear if the man is understood to be a Christian or will ultimately be saved by God's grace or an unbeliever who may come to generally salvation by his act of removing him from the church. The goal of this action is not re- not to, uh, not revenge, but actually to bring him back, to convict the man of his sin, to encourage repentance and restoration. It even talks further on about not eating with him. Now, Pastor Gary, I've been through a situation where something happened and two people were put out of the church, and um, uh, I went and saw them. uh, And uh, somebody, uh, another time, a friend of mine ended up in jail uh, through it, and he wouldn't, I, I still went, and I went and saw him. I think what, Paul is talking about not even eating with them, putting them out. Is this has been going on for a long time? Yeah. And I think when it first appeared, I'm sure that some of his friends would have gone in a loving way to talk to him. Well, this is the um, principle of Matthew 18, isn't it? Yes, it is. And talk to him, and because um, you're still your friend, and we're all sinners. But this one is a big one that's in front of everybody. And you know, I went and saw them and talked to them, not to condone what they're doing, but to actually be there as a friend. Mm. Um, and not um, approving of what what's happening, but to be there to listen to them. Yeah. And but this obviously has done no good. This has been going on for some time, and it's got to the point where Paul is saying, "Look, this is this is you know you've done all you can. Now it's time to put him out." I, I really I like what you're saying because to me it relates so closely to what Matthew 18. You know, if you actually see your brother offend. Then what I want you to do is I want you to go privately. You know, I, I know Eric so many times as a pastor. Uh, I've I've 
been a been a, a pastor who's had to go and and visit numerous people, and often it's on an individual level. And you know, when a person is offending or they're uh, going against Christ, to actually sit down and talk to them individually and say, "Hey, look, you know, the way you're going is not right," is something that can actually be life transforming. But you, it's something that's actually done privately. And sometimes people say, "You know, look, why isn't the church and church acting?" You know, so often the church has actually uh, said and done something, um, but uh, sometimes the person responds, and often they will respond, but sometimes they won't. The scripture then carries on and says, "Well, if." If you know that doesn't hear you, then I want you to uh, take a two or three uh, brothers with you. I can actually remember going and and visiting a a, a, a gentleman on a, on a couple of occasions, and there was actually three of us that you know that ended up going, uh, and that was because uh, there was myself plus a, a number of the elders of the of the church to talk to the uh, person concerned about you know about the issues that were uh, that were being involved, uh, and then uh, you know if he still doesn't hear you I want you to actually act and uh, at that point Matthew 18 says the church is in a position to be able to act but to me the thing that really jumps out at me is that um, this is so countercultural uh, to the world in which we live today because uh, Paul is very clear I want you to act I want you to make a statement uh, on uh, on these things now does this mean that the church may be perceived as, as judgmental well yes it may um, but the reality is the church is also called to be discerning. The church is actually um, not actually set up uh, to cater to the culture of our current world. And, you know, we're talking here of the church being God's people, and uh, you find a lot of criticism about the, the church, God's people, is that we're hypocrites in the church because yeah. we're doing exactly what the world is doing. Yeah, yeah. So this does draw criticism if nothing nothing takes place. Exactly, and I think that issue of – and that the world is actually very good at smelling out hypocrisy. In fact, that's the one thing that the media will actually pick up on. You know, the church is preaching these things, but it's not doing it what it's doing. When the church acts on – those things which are, uh, you know, clearly uh, biblically inappropriate. Uh, at that particular point, uh, the church itself is certainly not functioning. Uh, they're not playing the role of the hypocrite. It's interesting because um, running out of time. But First Corinthians uh, five twelve says, "What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Yeah, are you not to judge those inside? Yeah." So throughout the Bible, it talks about not judging one another. Mm -hmm. But here, Paul is bringing out a point that there is a time when it's a blatant sin among believers to actually um, um, take action over that, to try in a loving way keep that person, and you know, to to uh, for them to understand what what they're doing. Uh, and what you were talking about was actually Matthew eighteen fifteen to twenty, where it says, "If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault." Just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two along, uh, others along so it, that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, uh, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or tax lead or even. So it's all these steps 
of trying to help the person. And, and, and the thing I appreciate, I appreciate that you're actually reading that text because, you know, it act, does actually finish with, you know, if they fail to hear the church, treat them as a pagan uh, or a, uh, what's the other word, the pagan or the uh, uh, the heathen, mm. uh, heathen person. And, you know, so many times I've actually heard people say, ah, oh, that means that we had to have nothing to do with them. Oh, no. no. What he's actually saying here is that uh, what I want you to do is to try to reconvert them because, do you know, what I want to do for the the pagan and the heathen is I want to work for their salvation. And uh, what Paul is saying is that this person has now moved outside of Christ. They've now moved outside of salvation. Uh, therefore, what I want you to do is I want you to work for their salvation. You're not to ostracize them, but rather you're to work for their salvation. Yes, and Galatians 6, one talks about that. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore the person gently. But watch yourselves or you will so may be tempted. So it's t- talking here about a way of dealing with this in a loving way. And you know, to, to be quite honest, when I did this study, uh, it, it's quite confronting. Mm. It's quite confronting with, with what needs to be done, but actually doing it. And uh, it is because um, of um, the uh, the influence of having that open sin in amongst, as you talked about, the leaven about uh, with the bread mm. uh, that. A little part will spread, and it talked about um, in that one about the leaven, about the bread, which we never covered. It also talked that Jesus Christ, mm. we're already saved through the leaven of Him, that we're also there, that we shouldn't, um, uh, that we, um, that's who we're following. And there's times when we have to have to uh, remove things that are causing a problem. But you know, to me, it's all about love and care uh, and the right thing to do for a group of believers. But I think, you know, even there, you know, Eric, uh, the, the love and the care is important. But, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, I learned when I was uh, uh, bringing up uh, bringing up my children is there are times when, you know, it is necessary to rebuke uh, your, your children. Uh, just constantly saying these things don't matter uh, is actually an inappropriate response and uh, will guarantee that children actually will not learn. Mm, that's right. Oh, definitely. And and you've got others watching on that are influenced by what's mm, actually happening mm. there and what becomes a norm. You know, it's interesting that when Paul confronts the church in Corinth for failing to respond to a self-identified believer in having a sexual affair with his father's wife, he insists they must remove the man from their community Um uh, to refuse his participa- participation, even in the meetings in church, um, referred to here as delivering him to Satan. As the Jewish people would do during Passover, they must remove the leaven uh, of bread, even from their houses, what's left over, yeah. and yeah. start again. They had to repurify. Yeah. And and that's what it's talking about here, yeah. that, um, uh, that even though it's hard, uh, even though something happens, if you allow it to continue... Then, uh, what will happen? It'll, it'll yeah. spread throughout. I, and I, I, that's the key. I think. Yeah, I, I, I think what you're saying is, uh, is very, very valid. Uh, look, we do need to finish, but look, uh, just before we finish, can I just, uh, uh, just plead with, you know, if there is somebody out there who, uh, who may be listening today, who, uh, the Holy Spirit may be speaking to, may be saying, hey, look, you know, what you're actually doing, uh, is actually in the same position as this person that Paul was speaking to. The thing that I, it, to me, that is so, so wonderful is that Paul actually, uh, encourages the church to try to redeem that particular forgiveness. 
you know, but uh, forgiveness is actually possible. Yet what Paul is saying is very much the same as Christ said. You know, Christ found that woman caught in adultery and he didn't justify her sin and say it doesn't matter. But rather what he said is, I want you to go, but I want you to sin no more. I'm prepared to give you, you can have forgiveness, but Go and sin no more. There's a very beautiful picture that's mm. actually, you know, uh, that's drawn in the in the scriptures. Yep. But Eric, look, bow our heads yep. together in prayer. Yep. Father in heaven, Lord, we come to you right now. I want to say thank you for being the Almighty God, uh, Lord. We live in a, a secular world where these issues are not are not easy to deal with. Uh, they weren't easy to deal with in Paul's day. Uh, but Lord, I just pray that you would uh, you would make us to be thoroughly. Um, uh, after the, the image of Jesus Christ, that Jesus might indeed be our Lord and our Saviour. Uh, Lord, I pray that we might be submissive to the authority of the Word of God. Uh, Lord, that uh, we might bring our own lives into harmony with, uh, with the Scriptures. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you might uh, uh, touch uh, anyone who's struggling on this issue right now. Well, I pray that you might be with them. Lord, as they endeavour to maybe set things right, uh, I just, just pray that you might be the one to take control and you might be the one to direct. We just ask and we pray these things in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Eric Hoare on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when I'll be digging more into the subject of is conflict in the church real? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio. 